don't have a podcast yet, Masterpieces. I'm your host, Nathan P. Wood. If you're a regular listener and you heard Monday's episode, you're aware of the fact that we agreed to do a show called Moon Row, which would be a, writing a pilot for a television drama about a man who solves mysteries and also has a moon for a head. We have every intention of releasing that episode. However, it turned out to be so ambitious that we needed an extra week to work on it. And so instead, we present to you, in its entirety, a reading of The Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka by the Podtron 4500. The Podtron, of course, is an artificial intelligence usually used to generate the names of podcasts that it thinks might be successful. The Podtron chose Moon Row, for example. However, today, the Podtron was given the first sentence of Kafka's greatest work, The Metamorphosis, and he just ran with it. And so, without further ado, I present to you the Podtron 4500's rendition of The Metamorphosis. When Gregor Samsa awoke one morning from troubled dreams, he found himself changed into a monstrous cockroach in his bed. In the spring he sprang out, and in the summer he squeezed himself out to the roof, where he crawled through the drying air and went to live among the leaves and needles. In the fall he collected berries and grains in his little pouch, and crept out again into the dry undergrowth. In the winter he was so cold that he crawled over the ice to get to the shores of a lake. By the time the ice became clear again, he had been bitten to death by a bird. After that he roamed about the woods, gathering dry twigs and leaves for fuel, and twining them to make baskets. One morning, when he was gathering dry branches in the woods, and got into the dogwood, which had died away through having its bark painted. He was crawling away. As he was crawling away, he caught his foot on a thorn, and it killed him where he lay. It was not till the sun rose high that his friends came to bury him and bring him back to life. When Gregor Samsa awoke, he found himself changed into a monstrous cockroach in his bed. When Gregor Samsa awoke one morning, he found himself changed into a monstrous cockroach in his bed. There he lay for the whole day, crawling, leaving dead leaves in his wake, and the cockroach looked on in silence as Gregor sprang about like a cockroach in a nightmare, struggling and crawling and brushing the branches which fell in his path. All day Gregor worked like a machine, unable to concentrate. Later he became aware that his teeth and nails were growing in size and thickness, the hair grew in the face and on the legs and arms. His clothes became torn and ragged. He forgot where he was and crept away to find food. He came across a dead dog and looked upon it with fear. His mouth opened in horror at its appearance, and his face grew paler. As he fled, he stumbled and twisted his foot, and when he finally stopped to rest, it had bitten the bone of his leg. He was afraid to leave it behind. It was daylight before he went to get help and was brought back to life, changed into a grotesque beast with a strange expression. Gregor lay on his bed and thought 
his thoughts racing, unaware of the changes which had taken place. When night fell, Gregor grew cold and hungry. He crawled out of the yard and went in search of food. The door had been left open for him. Outside it was warm, and he stumbled through the grass in the darkness until he reached a pile of dried manure. He drank some of it, and as soon as he did so, he began to laugh of, at laugh uproariously, and the whole farm seemed to come to life around him. There were shouts and cries, the birds flew about, and the cats scampered about, and the dead dog began to dance and shake its legs. It was the dog which had bitten his leg. The cockroach looked upon the scene with excitement, and the yard burst with the laughter of the cockroach, which was now huge and all wrinkled and dry. Gregor laughed even harder. He remembered how terrible the blows had been, and his pride in being a bug. He laughed until his jaws trembled. He laughed at his burning eyes and his falling hair. He laughed at his old slippers, which had gone black from being in the sun. The yard began to shake, its ceiling broke, and the beams of wood fell. And at that moment a dark thing came and peered out from its nest. It was a cat which wanted to eat the cockroach. But he had eaten it all and was now nothing more than a cockroach in the world. Gregor kicked the nest, and the cockroach turned into a bird. The bird went back into the nest and remained there to be born. The cat opened its mouth wide and peered out at the bird in the nest. The bird jumped out with a sharp wing and let the cat bite him down to the bone. It was the snake which had bitten the dog in the spring. He was afraid of the snake and leapt back into the nest to avoid its deadly poison. A bed in a cold room was Gregor Samsa's prison. He slept all day and roamed about at night not knowing where he was or what he was doing. He made a bed in the doorway which was small and near the door. It was cool and not in the night, and the windows were shut. There was a bright moonlight outside, and it was impossible to see the ants and the cockroaches which crawled about. It was dark in the room, and Gregor, lying on his bed, was trying to fall asleep. It was quiet in the morning, and the house was filled with light. At the door, Gregor saw Samsa going away from him. Samsa was saying goodbye to Gregor, who could see him only in glimpses. Samsa was still speaking when Gregor emerged from the doorway. Samsa disappeared into the yard. Gregor sat down by the window. The window opened with the wind, but the sun shone brightly through the opening. He felt an urge to climb out into the yard and go in search of his sister. A door which Gregor had not noticed in the dark was beside the bed. He stepped across to it and pushed the door, and then he opened it. There was nothing to see inside the room, nothing but an old couch with a layer of dust. It was the room in which the cockroach lay. In the morning it had flown out in the evening. The floor was covered with straw and grass, and he could see there there was no rooms outside for the animal. Gregor stepped on the grass and it curled around his legs, and he bent down to brush it away. He took off his old slippers and cleaned them, and suddenly Samsa appeared at the opening. After he finished cleaning himself, Gregor sat down on the couch with his legs crossed and began to examine himself. His head was dull and dirty. His feet were smeared with dirt. 
His eyes were red and swollen. A shadow fell across the doorway, and then Gregor noticed that his sister had arrived. She stood in the doorway with her arms folded. Her black hair was loose from its pins. She had brought some clothes, and they were torn. She had on a plain white cotton dress, without a veil and without any laces. There were shiny buckles on the arms and the sleeves. She was barefoot, and in her stocking feet she wore blue shoes with wide heels. She wore white stockings and had a skirt, which was pinned together. Her skirt had torn all the way down to her ankles, and there was no sign of a petticoat. "'What are you going to do now?' Gregor asked. I am going away to my grandmother, his sister answered. What is she doing in that bed? Gregor asked. My grandmother is old. She is very old. She is a widow who is living with her son in the country. There is no money in the world for me. My brother will come back and take me to live in the city, but I can see that you will not take me. Gregor was unable to answer, and the sister went away from the house. She went into the village where the cobblers had left their tools in the street. Then she came back and said that Gregor must not come to see her, or she would leave. At last she flew out into the yard and stood on the staircase. She was very restless and tried to go down the stairs backwards. It was impossible for her to go up them, and she looked up at Gregor. At that moment, Gregor stepped out from the door and jumped on the stairs, taking one step after the other. The sister shouted, and she started to cry, and then she began to push the straw over her head and run to the barn. It was early in the morning when Gregor went outside. The cockroach was sitting on the stairway. He crawled up and brushed it back with his hand and suddenly flew off. Gregor went into a field and sat down on the grass. The sun was shining brightly, and he saw his sister sitting on a stool. She was rubbing out some pieces of glass. She had wrapped them in paper. She did not see him at all. I thought you had left me behind, she said. But you do not know, my darling. You must hurry and go and save yourself. I can see that the cockroach will never get out of this house. You must take that paper and throw it over him. He is smothered in a pile of straw. You must not leave him. You must save him, and you must do this very soon. I will, Gregor said, and he was filled with confidence. He took the paper from his sister, and he threw it to the cockroach, who moved towards it very quickly. Then the cockroach scampered over to the fireplace, walked through the flames, and climbed up into the fireplace in a dark corner. Gregor was afraid of being burned, but the cockroach stretched out his legs and held on with his claws, not moving. Gregor did not know if the cockroach was burning or not. He noticed that his sister was still sitting on the stool in the doorway, but her face was covered in tears. Can I have a bit of wine? Gregor asked her. You must not drink wine, his sister said. You are angry with me. I don't know why I didn't take you with me. It would have been better if I had been with you, his sister answered. Gregor took out a slice of bread and spread it with honey. Then he went over to the barn and lifted some animals from the stables. The cows, the goats, the pigs were sitting in the corners, and they clucked to each other. 
Gregor took some of them and lifted them into the barn. The animals cried as they left the yard. Then Gregor sat down near the door of the barn. He was crying. I'm scared, he said. Why are you scared, the cow said. Let me help you. I am strong. You must drink a glass of wine. Come with me. The cow crawled over to the trough and drank from the wine glass. Gregor was afraid of being kicked out of the barn. The cow took another sip. Do you want another drink? The cow asked and went to the corner. What is that? Gregor cried and shook the pig. He was frightened by the animal's hunger. He lifted it by the legs and sat down on the straw. He pushed the pig against the wall of the barn. What do you think? The pig said. Should I put you down? Gregor said. You must let me eat. Then I will stay with you, the pig said. Gregor took the pig over to the granary. He gave it some grain. It ate all of it, leaving only the straw. The pig fell over and was pushed over with its own foot. Then Gregor came and stood in front of the pig. The pig spat on him. I'm scared, Gregor cried. Do you have a glass of wine, my friend? The pig asked. I don't have one, Gregor said. Do you want to sit here and drink wine? The pig said. I don't have one, Gregor said. Are you afraid? The pig asked. I'm afraid of you, Gregor said. The pig ran away. Gregor was scared of his own stupidity. He felt that it was not good for him to get drunk. He wanted to have a drink. He sat on a stool and drank wine from his sister's wine glass. He got angry and wanted to say something. My sister is happy, Gregor said. What makes her happy, a voice said. She thinks that she will marry the prince, Gregor answered. Is he married, the prince asked. No, Gregor said. My sister doesn't want to marry him. You are not going to drink wine, the prince said. No, said Gregor. Don't drink wine, the prince said. Gregor stood up and went away. He sat down on the straw. Do you like mushrooms, he asked the cockroach. Why are you in here, the cockroach asked. I'm scared, Gregor said. You will be burnt if you stay here. Why are you scared, the cockroach asked. Because you are afraid, Gregor said. I don't know why you are afraid of me. You must be quiet. I'm trying to rest, the cockroach said. Are you angry with me, Gregor asked. Do you want to be eaten, my friend, the cockroach asked. No, Gregor said. Then don't talk to me. Do you have a drink? The cockroach asked. Yes, Gregor said. I will get you one of the other glasses. I don't want a drink, the cockroach said. Do you want to come out of here? Gregor asked. I'm scared, the cockroach said. Do you have a glass of wine? Gregor asked. No, the cockroach said. Do you have a wine cup? 
Gregor asked. No, the cockroach said. Would you like to be fed? Gregor asked. Why should I be fed? said the cockroach. Because I don't know why you are here, Gregor said. Then go away, said the cockroach. I don't want to be left alone here, Gregor said. Are you afraid of my sister? Gregor asked. No, the cockroach said. Why are you angry? Why are you angry? Gregor said. Do you have a good wine cup? Gregor asked. I don't have one, the cockroach said. Do you want to come out of here? Gregor asked. I'm scared, the cockroach said. Do you have a plate of mushrooms? Gregor asked. No, the cockroach said. Then don't come out of here, Gregor said. Do you have a plate of mushrooms? Gregor asked. No, the cockroach said. When Gregor Samsa had changed into a monstrous cockroach in his bed, he was horrified and tried to escape from it. But, as it happened, he was unable to, and in the end, in a hopeless situation, he surrendered. He couldn't escape his new form, and he couldn't fight it. Eventually, he couldn't even remember what he had looked like before he was changed. Being a little man, Gregor hadn't known what this change would mean, but he was in despair. Gregor was one of the good guys. He was a happily married man to a woman named Lenny. He didn't drink and didn't smoke. On the surface, Gregor appeared to be a harmless guy, a boy who hadn't grown up. But he had a tendency to worry about his future and to carry around worry lines on his face and, in short, to go to bed angry. Lenny loved him, and Gregor, after he was able to lift himself from the bed, didn't do anything to make her worry. Anyway, Gregor got up. It was time to go to work. Being the man he was, he couldn't just hide himself away. He had to carry on doing what he did. When he got to the office, he found that things were very different. In his absence, his bosses had decided to award the work of his assistants to themselves. And so now the workers, the people with whom Gregor used to spend his days, where Gregor had left their work undone, were now working, and the boss, Frau Hulda, seemed to do nothing at all. And now he went to the bank, where he and his friend Fritz, the German finance manager, kept their money safe. Gregor hadn't taken anything out of the safe in a long time. He was always thinking about his future, but he was too timid to take action. And so now, he had all his money still there. Gregor had no idea how to handle his life in this new way. He couldn't live by himself, of course, and he couldn't feed himself. And he didn't have a wife to go to. So what did he do? If he tried to sleep, what would happen? Would he change into something monstrous, too? If he didn't sleep, would he get sick and perhaps die? So he just spent his days wandering around and wondering what he should do. But for some reason, for Gregor, he was always thinking about the past. He kept remembering Lenny. He kept thinking about how happy he was. He spent his evenings wandering around his apartment, wishing he could bring Lenny back to life. One evening, Gregor came home, having been out all day. It was the night before Christmas Eve, and he had stopped at the grocer's to get a big box of chocolates and other things. As he passed by the cellar, he saw a little boy inside, 
turning over cans and bottles, knocking on them, trying to hear something. When Gregor saw the child, his heart almost broke. What had happened to the little boy? Gregor had no time to think about that, because he turned and ran up the stairs. He couldn't let the child out of his sight. He didn't have any plans. He had no idea what he should do. And so he went to his safe, took out all his money, stuffed it into his bag, and set out in search of the little boy. The little boy, of course, was Gregor. He found the boy in a public park, sitting on a bench. Little boy, Gregor said. Hello, the boy replied in a nervous voice. How are you doing? Gregor asked. I'm all right, thank you, the boy said. Gregor took the child by the hand. Come with me, he said. We are going to a nearby house. The child was very frightened, so Gregor comforted him. We are going to see Frau Hulda, he said. She has a big box of chocolates. You must eat some. Don't worry. You'll like them. Frau Hulda loves you very much. You are her favorite child. When the child was back home, Gregor gave him a big chocolate bar. The child ate it eagerly. Then Gregor felt a lump in his throat. Little boy, he said, we must get you out of this place. They went into Gregor's apartment, and at the door Gregor showed the child a wooden chest, big enough to hold all the money he had, and the little boy didn't want to touch it, but he had to, so he took it out, turned it around and round in his hands, and looked at the money inside, and in that moment he understood what he had to do. It is you who should go, he said, and not I. Gregor showed the little boy how to open the door to the back room where the chest was kept. He said, We have to leave through that door. You will have to go first and take it to Frau Hulda, who lives in Hamburg. You will have to call her at once and tell her that I am sick and I need to see her as soon as possible. The child looked at Gregor as though he was joking. What do you mean sick? he asked. You are not sick. You are not going to die. But Gregor's eyes were red. He could not bear the child's kind words. I must go now, he said. I am very sorry, but I have to leave. And so Gregor locked the door and set off on his quest. When Gregor arrived at Hamburg, he took the small child to Frau Hulda's apartment and knocked on the door. Frau Hulda, my little boy is sick, he said. You have to come quickly. Frau Hulda, my little boy is sick. She came to the door. What's wrong, Gregor? she asked. What is wrong with your little boy? Gregor thought about what he had told the boy in his apartment and suddenly felt bad. What had he done? He had never wanted to hurt the child. He had not wanted to take him away from his mother. He was a nice child. And so he took the little boy in his arms and said, I have something important to tell you. It's about a human, a little boy, and the adventure that is going to happen to him. But I must go now, Frau Hulda. Your boy is sick, so I have to go. He needs a doctor. Frau Hulda, I have to go now. And Frau Hulda, already quite upset, began to cry. Is your little boy sick because you have not sent him to the doctor? she cried. 
He is sick because I have not sent him to the doctor, said Gregor. Then you will have to go to the doctor, she said. Go now and ask for Frau Renze. What's wrong, Frau Renze, said Gregor. What's wrong with my little boy? He's dead, said Frau Holda. What's dead, said Gregor, alarmed. He is dead, said Frau Holda. But how? asked Gregor. Why? Your little boy is dead because you were not able to send him to the doctor, said Frau Hulda. She was crying now, and Gregor felt so sad that he could not move. Gregor, I must go now, said Frau Hulda. Your boy is dead because I am not able to send him to the doctor. Then Gregor took the little boy in his arms and left Frau Hulda's apartment. It was past midnight when they got home, and Gregor was so tired. He did not even care when the little boy stumbled in, sleepy and pink-cheeked. The little boy snuggled into Gregor's arms. I'm happy, he said. So am I, said Gregor. Are you a king? the little boy asked. Yes, I am a king, said Gregor. Then I must be a king, too, said the little boy. Yes, you must be a king, said Gregor. They both fell asleep in each other's arms. Gregor awoke in the early hours of the morning. The little boy was gone. In the morning, he told his mother what had happened. How could you take him away, she asked. How could you think it was all right to take him to the doctor? I had to go now. He was so sick, he said. I couldn't bear for him to be dead. Then he went to the doctor's house. I am Gregor, he said. My little boy is dead because I was not able to send him to the doctor. The doctor was surprised when Gregor told him about what had happened, but he still thought it was all right. And he took the small chest to his home. When Gregor awoke the next morning, he found himself changed into a monstrous cockroach. He could not even raise his little clawed feet and could not struggle into his clothes. His open eyes gazed sightlessly in all directions, and there was no expression on his spotted brown face. From the size of the place where he lived, he could be no more than a couple of weeks old, Gregor surmised. In the corner of his room lay a shoe of his size, and under his pillow an army blanket. Gregor pulled on his trousers and beat the brush against his legs. Then he climbed out of his bed and went to the window. It was freezing, and as he looked out, it was as if he saw a huge screeching creature racing along the side of the house. Gregor jumped back into bed. He was trembling with fear. The creaking of his bed frame, which was normal, did not frighten him now. He had become accustomed to the sound. In the doorway, stood a real cockroach. Its body was almost the same size as that of a real cockroach, but its antennae, legs, and abdomen and face were painted with black lines, and there was a big black dot in the middle of the wing between the second and third segments. Gregor's mother was startled at seeing the cockroach in the room. She stepped back with fright. 
The cockroach did not say a word, but simply advanced towards Gregor. Its elongated legs moved slowly from side to side. There is no need to be afraid, it said in a calm voice. Gregor walked slowly towards it. Good morning, you handsome creature, he said. The cockroach sat still on the floor. Gregor knelt beside it and put his hand out and took it gently by the wings. The cockroach did not move, but remained motionless. He loved his mother and did not want her to be afraid of him, but he was always frightened of his father. He was certain that his father must be someone who hated him and was always whipping him or telling him off. Gregor's father did not come into the room. It was late autumn, and he had business out at sea. His wife and the baby stayed in the kitchen, while the boy and Gregor sat in the warm living room. It was a rather small room, but well furnished. On a low table stood a radio. His mother and the baby were playing with the toy train engines on a small table in front of the couch. A cloth mantelpiece with pictures of garden flowers stood in the corner behind them. Gregor was standing in front of a table opposite his mother and father. His father was standing at a window with his hands in his pockets. He looked at his son with a dull expression. He held a bunch of keys in his hand and was looking at them as if trying to remember what they were for. Yes, my sweet boy, you are going to the war with your squadron, his mother said. All the squadron members have to take their machines home with them. They will be in the shop, taking parts out of the machines and doing all the necessary work. You can't play with the machines, though, because they will not be yours. The cold had frozen in the blood in Gregor's body. He trembled, as if all the vertebrae had turned to ice. The war is going to last a long time, his mother went on. The people in all the other countries are going to see what a good job we did by supporting the Germans. They are going to make a statue of Adolf Hitler with my son in his hand and put him on a pedestal near the Brandenburg Gate. What does this war have to do with me, Gregor whispered. What are the rules of this war? What can it possibly mean to me? You cannot be selfish like that, his father said. The people have already fought the war for more than two years. No one can say when it will end. This war is going to last until millions of people have died. If your stupid father was at the front, he would have been killed long ago. The wickedness of the world is growing worse every day. He walked up and down the room. I have no more strength left to stand any longer, he said. I'm dying. His father was taken to bed. His mother had a book with a gold-colored cover in her hand. She sat on the floor near Gregor and opened the book. We're going to die, she said. We're all going to die. Gregor stood frozen in terror. His mother had already read him that book. He was sick and could not understand what she was saying. In his mind he heard the words that his mother had spoken to him a few days before. 
and then he remembered a short word, the only word he could remember. War! His mother looked up, and her eyes were full of tears. War! We're going to die. How can anyone stay here without the war? Gregor pulled his hands out of his pockets. He took his father's golden key in his hand, and he put it in the lock of the vice. His father began to talk again, so softly that Gregor could hardly hear him. War, he said, now looking at his son. War. He opened the vice and took out Gregor's leg, but Gregor pulled out his hands again. He stood motionless in the doorway. His father looked at him. His eyes were glazed. His face was ashen. His head drooped on to his chest. Gregor opened the door and stepped into the room. He was trembling, and his eyes were shining like little red lights. He did not think of anything, but only of his burning hand. His fingers were so hot that they seemed almost to burn. He was stared at his burning hand. War, he said to himself again and again. War, war. His mother had already closed the book and turned off the light on the mantelpiece. The little mantelpiece had only a wooden strip to hold the light. The book was shut with a snap, and there was a crackling sound as the glue in the cover softened. Gregor looked around. The whole room was in darkness. He walked up to the mantelpiece. He put his hand against the strip, but his fingers only touched thin air. There was no light anywhere. He could see nothing. He stepped towards the door. His mother's voice called him. He looked down. His mother was sitting in the same place in the dark, crying. He felt too sick to go to her. He stepped out the door and walked through the darkness. He moved without turning his head. He went over to the hard, dry stalks of grass that covered the edge of the field. He moved over the hard path that cut across the field and through the garden and the crooked tree branches. He walked across the lonely road and sat down on the edge of a little water pool. He thought about the promise he had made to his mother. There was no way that he could still go on fighting, no way to overcome the pain of his body. He could not see a way out of this problem, no way to make it end. His leg was burning with pain, and his body was drained by the effort of the battle. His father was going to die for nothing. There was only one thing he could do now. He lay down on the ground beside the pool and let the cool water flow over his burning hand. The End This has been The Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka as presented by The Podtron 4500 and We Don't Have a Podcast Yet Masterpieces. Tune in Monday when we will be filling time by letting an AI write to Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. And then head over to patreon.com slash we don't have a podcast yet next Friday where we'll be releasing a live table read of our new TV pilot, Moon Row, the detective who solves crimes and also unrelatedly has a moon for a head. I'm Nathan P. Woodard.
Have a pleasant evening.